like everyone is like trying to find themselves. Right. Sometimes things are like you tend to learn things more indirectly, mm-hmm. meaning like you just experience things and then you go like, hey, this could work, right. rather than actually going like with a purpose. Um, actually, there there's a long story for it. Lah. We have a lot of time. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz and BFM, you're listening to Shift, Steer and Strive. The show that shines the spotlight on influential minds and the inspiring as well as sometimes eccentric personalities behind them. I'm Azura Rahman. On this episode, Melissa Lau. Once a month on a weekend, Melissa hopes that one word will be on everyone's lips. Rio. In Malay, the word itself refers to a noisy and festive vibe. You might have seen Rio take over your social media feeds, with its cool venues such as the Central Depot and the River of Life. Would you call it a market, a bazaar, or perhaps a mishmash of pop-up stores, creative workshops, showcases, and live performances? Its premise is to celebrate all things made in Malaysia, featuring local vendors with artisanal products, catering to lovers of arts and craft, jewellery, apparel, food and more. For all that it is, Rio in the City has a purpose. Melissa hopes that it provides a platform to elevate the Malaysian creative industry and economy. Now, I wanted to know what goes into curating a Rio weekend and I headed straight to the source, Melissa Lau. We're comfortably cruising in the back seat of a sleek Mercedes CLS 450, and with the air conditioning well adjusted, we chat about the difficult road to success. They say behind every successful woman is herself, and in Melissa's case, it was a combination of her own determination and vision, with a little help and support from her family. This is like the best family I ever oh. had. No, serious, like I have like the best parents, and even my brother who likes to give me a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> But as younger brothers do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but they are really like the most um, supportive. And even when I'm down, when things are not good, like I dare to speak to them about it. You know, you won't hide things from them and I will share with them. And they really like we sit down, everyone sit down and talk about it. So even when my brother goes through anything, even my dad, when sometimes we always talk about things as a family. So you've always been a very open and communicative family. Oh yes, very. Um, yeah, my dad encouraged that a lot. Uh, what does your dad do? My dad used to be a banker, right. and then um, he came out and do his own like project management. Um, my mom runs her own business, so now they're kind of semi-retired, but um, they're still working. Uh, they're still doing um, the business that my mom is running, just to like you know kill some time. Right. So I think when sometimes when you see how much your parents go through, you pick up a few things. Okay. Of like um, how much perseverance they have and how motivated they are, um, and it makes you feel like, you know what? If if they can be like this, I should be better, you know, because they have given you given me a better life than what they had, right? What did they remind you of that all the time? Did you say, hey, Melissa, you know, I've done this for you, I paid for your education, or was it something that was? Oh no, my my one thing good about my parents, they have never been that kind where they go, you know, like. There are some Asian families like, oh, you know, I brought you up. Now it's your time to take care of me. Uh, no, my parents have 
never expected that from us. Never. Like, um, they, they will never bring up to say, you know, I've already done all this for you. No, they let us be, let us make our own decision and see where we where we want to go. Um, but of course, there are times where we need advice. Then my dad will sit down with us and advise us uh, what he thinks, what he feels. Um, but he would never expect anything from us. Um, but for him, he always say, you know, in anything you do, um, don't give up. Just really try the best that you can. And the most importantly is also, don't hurt yourself and don't hurt others to gain what you want. So... Sounds yeah. amazing. Can he adopt me as well? <laughs> I'm sure you have a great dad. Yes, I too. do. I do, I do. Melissa found her passion in giving back to the community. Volunteering for social causes resonated with her. She had stints with the likes of the Malaysian Association for the Blind and the UN's Environment Programme. Listening to all these achievements, you'd never guess that Melissa was quite the rebel at school. Yeah, my friends and I, uh, we do get into trouble What quite did you do? I mean, did you like cut class? Yeah, set, skip school. Set things on fire? Oh no, we didn't do that. No, <laughs> that's, that's just dangerous, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, skip classes, uh, skip school. Science or arts? Science. Right, okay. Um, and then we do like a lot of like things that we're not allowed to do. Like, you know, like those childish stuff like eating class. And then like Guilty And then sleep in class While the teacher is teaching Guilty um, And then goes for a recess early You know that, that kind of Nonsense uh, to be honest yeah. So so, But But I'll be honest I had fun But um, yeah That's where after that Psychology So what was interesting That then when I graduated I was in the UK Right So I was like Trying to look for a job And it was 2008 It was financial crisis And I was like Oh my god So So there were a few people Who called me back And said Oh, um, actually we are at the midst of firing So I don't think we are able to hire That was like, oh crap And then uh, there was this like uh, initiative by UKEC mm-hmm. So they started sending a lot of corporates and banks uh, to the UK Graduate it, fair, right? Yeah, the graduate fair So of course I didn't so, I, so like somehow they got hold of my CV I don't know how And then I got a call and... Um, and it was CIMB, Bank Nagara, and a few more that called me. Then I was like thinking, you know what? I'm just going to go for interview. Lah. Just go. I mean, I need to gain the experience, right? So I went, Bank Nagara. Okay, I got a job. And then I think, um, until today, I will always remember this interview. So I went into CIMB's interview. And I didn't know it was the head of HR, Puan Hamida, was the one interviewing. And to be honest, I didn't know who was she, right? Because I went for the sole purpose of just um, getting experience not to get the job. And I was studying psychology. Why would I want to join a bank, right? So I went in and then, um, so we had a chat, like this like chat and then she asked me, then she, she did ask this question. You did very badly in school. What happened? Um, I guess I was, so I was honest with her. I told her like, yeah, I actually didn't enjoy what I was studying. Um, and uh, yeah, I was having a lot of fun. Um, I didn't think it was important. So then I was just explaining everything and um, I think the best part of that interview was like you know she went like you know I really like your honesty I appreciate it and you're hired oh wow then I was like so I was you know I thought she was joking okay so I mean like she's graduated how do you know about the working world so I just went that's another laughing then I was like oh huh then I went are you serious then she was like yeah she said I think uh, for us what is important we are looking for is not just about background because I said like um, I said okay so what, what what position because I said probably the best thing I need to work in is uh, probably HR because I was doing psychology 
And she was like, no, no, I think why don't, uh, if you accept our offer, uh, why don't you go into the management training program first? So, so I, then she said, think about it. Then after a few months, no job, went back to KL. Hmm. And I was like, okay, you know what? Let's Times are bad. La. You know what? Just try it. And then it's a management training program. Means I will learn something, right? So I went into the program. It was a freaking tough program. Uh, well, I mean, what was what was your dad's reaction at this point? Like, oh, I didn't. Did he think that this daughter of his, who was a misfit in school, did a degree in psychology, is going to end up in a bank? Oh, uh, for him. Okay, so my dad always have this thing about like it doesn't matter what you do, but uh, once you make a decision, you make sure you do your best. Right. Right. Like he always say, you know, before you get married, you can go have fun, but once you get married. That means once you make that decision to get married and to have a family, you better be good at it. You know, it's like that responsibility that you need to take on. So he was like, okay, go, go ahead. So I went management training program. Yeah, it was really hard. Like we sleep at 3, 4 a.m. We go back to work at 8 a.m. for like strictly two months. Then uh, after that, I like the, then the trainer told me, you know what? I think you can do investment banking. Why don't you try it out? And I was like, okay, why not, right? So I tried. Uh, it was tough. Uh, my first year, I'll be honest with you, was so tough because I have no experience. Tough no in the sense of um, no knowledge? Background. Knowledge. Okay. So I didn't have any technical knowledge because I did science. Then I went to do psychology. I didn't even touch math. I didn't even touch accounting or economics. So what I did was, while working, I went to buy myself books. Like literally that 101 um, accounting for dummies. Yeah, and then financial analysis. You yeah. actually bought the book, no, I, Accounting I, for Dummies. Yeah, and then uh, the financial analysis books. And then of course, some of my friends tell me, okay, you need to buy some of these books. These are quite good to refer. So for one year, it was it was very, very challenging. Like I had to work and you know, investment bank, you don't work from nine to five. Yeah. And then I had to study on my own. And uh, But I had really good colleagues though. Why did you stick it out then? I mean like, you know, what did you not think like, you know what, guys, sorry, this is not for me. I'm going to do something else. Why, what made you want to stick it out? Um, I think because like it was something new. Uh, it was something that I have not experienced, I have no knowledge about. And I always feel um, there's no harm gaining more knowledge. Right. And in turn, it is pretty true because my experience, five years experience in banking actually set pretty good foundation for me so right now if anything I want to do like if I want to go into business or or helping someone else at the end of the day business is still the core of things right in everything we do you can be a performing artist but you also need to learn how to market yourself you need to do so being in uh, the banking industry actually gave me a very good foundation and platform Did it, it's like it gave structure to this misfit, to this exactly. rebel, <laughs> yeah, to, to know how to harness your creativity and like you know do it in a way where it actually can work. And it makes it you, um, I would say, it wasn't the best, uh, but if you think about it in the long run, uh, yeah, it did help me to be a, actually a really a much stronger person. Like I could just take anything that comes towards me. Now, bazaars were far from a new concept in the Klang Valley. However, most remain trapped in time relying on traditional retail experiences. Rio in the city puts cultural education above all that. As more often than not, you find yourself leaving Rio with a sense of appreciation and discovery of local products, 
rather than thinking about a good bargain. So, of course, um, when we see like there are other bazaars, you know, like for example, art for grabs, and then you have a publica. You know, so we thought like, oh, those those were great, and uh, but we were thinking, how to not um, just make it a market. You know, uh, we were just thinking, you know, as an alternative. And one thing about Malaysians, they always say things like, you know, we don't know what to do over the weekend. The only thing that we can do is go to the malls. So we're like, okay, if you're just going to create just the market, it's just going to be another shopping experience. What are we going to do more than that? Like, how can we get people to have fun for people to stay and then yet promote local? So that's where we were like, okay, you know what? I think let's work it out. And then we were like, we were trying to figure this out for like a few months and we were like, okay, you know what, we do shopping, let's have some education bit as well um, because the future generation, um, you know, they are not very exposed uh, to the arts and all. I mean like during school days, if you see, we do not even learn much about the arts, right? Um, and also there's this thing about science stream and art stream, you know, that, that kind of thing. But uh, arts is something that is actually very general anybody even if you're a doctor you can still paint right um were you interested in the arts yeah when I, you were in school i mean i i studied music mm-hmm. um i studied my piano and i was uh, grade eight right yeah um did you do anything else were you a painter were you uh, not a really. performer i'm more into uh performing arts and music mm-hmm. because i studied that and then i really enjoy musicals a lot so i've watched a lot of musicals um so at that time, musicals was like international was international musicals was more prevalent, right? Like the rest of the local ones, you don't really know. So, but it was good that um, Malaysia they actually tried to bring some in to cultivate that kind of like um, sense of liking, you know, and interest for that kind of musical. So, yeah. Um, but for me, I think it's it's besides like arts and all. I mean, for me to do this is also really mainly on the social bit of things. Meaning? Uh, meaning like, um, so for example, this is a group of people that needs support, that needs help. Um, they need a business mind person to come in and see how they can help them flourish. Right. So for me, um, when I joined my creative, I mean, leaving the bank, right? Um, that was something that I wanted to do. Um, besides that interest, but also the fact that how, how can we help them? How can we groom them? Because also this is the first time where the government is actually helping the industry. Right. So um, I feel like, you know, why not? Let's just go with this and see what we can do for them. As our ride in the Mercedes came to an end, we made our way back to the studios to talk a little bit more about Rio. Helping people get off the ground is definitely one of Melissa's traits and that reflects in her initiatives including Rio in the City where they highlight artisanal vendors, giving them a valuable opportunity for growth. But where does this yearning to help people stem from? Okay, I think like, it's again, think like how I was being brought up as well. Um, I think like I was talking about how my dad is, you know, such kind person he is and how he's always there to help the ones in need as well and I think maybe I think it kind of developed a bit into that like how my mom always say I'm like him and I feel like you know if I can have a good life and if I see like others sometimes people just need opportunity people just need uh, a bit more knowledge um, to go further on where they want to go 
um, that is when I feel like when I see that and if I feel that I can help, then um, I would. Right. I would want to do that because, you know, you can't, you can't change the world, you know. Um, realistically, yes, there's no way I can change the world. But, it, but you can. Ah, oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, I feel, you know, helping one, uh, making a change to one person's life is better than none. So, so that's why, like, for me, when there's opportunity uh, where I can um, pursue to help, then I, w- I will try. I'll give my best to see what I can do. Is that what kind of led you to Pinta to help with children at a bigger, you know, on, on, a, on a bigger stage, so to speak, you know, on a bigger platform um, to help kids to excel better at school? I think Pinta, yeah, it wasn't so much of like, you know, want to help bigger, but it's just that that program um, came about um, and then I saw it as an opportunity to further uh, explore what I have been doing uh, previously during uni days um, so so that's where I, I took the opportunity and see how else we can help since I have a little knowledge and uh, experience from the past and see whether how I can try to apply it as well to this program and what were the typical problems that you came across when it comes to children who were not fulfilling their potential is, is it social problems again is it problems at home okay so I think like okay like for me one of the reasons I don't excel that well was because of the syllables, right? For example, where I have to study this, you know, um, I don't really have a choice. And I think I see it in um, quite a lot of people as well because some of them, they do really well when they start working, for example. So that doesn't make them, um, you know, it doesn't mean that if you don't excel in school means you, you won't be a good person because I think attitude is very important um, in wherever we are, whatever stage of our lives. Um, so I think like with the kids, I think um, many of them also, I would say, um, social problems. When you come from um, um, not so fortunate family, you know, um, parents do not have so much time to uh, invest into the children, like spending time to talk to them. Um, so what's going to happen is that the children will feel a bit neglected. There's not enough um, guidance. So that's where sometimes people act out or they just do not see it. You know, like how, um, you know, sometimes as kids, how you see certain things is because your parents or people around you, they put it into your head, right? They speak to you, they make you think. Uh, but sometimes some of them do not even have that kind of opportunity because the parents will end up, I think what is important at that time is actually to survive, right? Rather than anything else, so... Did it make you realise what were some of the gaps in our education system based on not only what you experienced, but what you saw in these children as well? I feel that, um, you know, um, in our education system, I feel that there should not be a distinction between the art stream and the science stream. Um, I feel that uh, all all syllabus should be, all subjects should be given out to anybody. And then maybe you have to pick at least seven or eight subjects um, and then there will be a good mix of science and also um, the arts. arts because arts still relates back to culture right um, arts bring out humanity in people um, it which, civilizes people exactly which I think is important and uh, and and I think it will be also fun to have a mix you know if you're gonna do science stream everything is so heavy 
wouldn't it be fun to do something that is light, where you do not need to use your head, but you use your heart, right? So I feel that there should always be a mix in things, a balance in things. Right. Do something that also sparks joy is how that you know phrase is being used a lot now. Yeah. Just not just use your brain, but also something that kind of enlivens the heart a bit more. Exactly. So that kind of yin and yang, that kind of balance seems to bring you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. You know, you did a bit of banking, you did a bit of the numbers, and now you have moved on to Rio. Um, does that inform your everyday life? You know, this balance of the financial know-how, this balance of um, loving the arts, is that what makes you who you are today? And do you think it's something that a lot of people should emulate a bit more, having a bit of both? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess I have to respect. Everyone has like their own way of living and how the way they see things is different. But uh, yes, I do practice that um, because it's about like everybody is idealistic. Honestly, in uh, naturally, um, everyone's idealistic, but sometimes you block that out because that's not how society uh, thinks, you know. And uh, there is always this thing about you must make it, you must do this, you must do that. That makes you a good person. That makes you a successful person. Um, but I, I always believe that if you can try to balance out the idealism of things, but also um, the realistic things um try to put it together then you're not then then at least certain part of things like when you do things as a bit more passionate you will tend to feel a lot happier and when you're a happier person you'll get to do things better as well you know um so like for me you know there's this thing um i think i was talking about like um there's this word called grit yeah um so i really like um what um angela lee Right, she actually um, spoke about it, and I feel that um, it it comes uh, two ways. You know, um, the passion bit, which I see it as the idealistic bit, and then you also have the realistic bit of perseverance, resilience, and also that kind of stamina. Because that 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 you need the mind, and then the other one you have the heart. So for me, I I actually put my passion. Um, my passion actually provides me like um, with goals and objectives, right? That I set to achieve, right? And then perseverance will keep me going and keep me fighting for what I believe to do and in the long run, yeah. Did you model yourself on anyone during this journey? I mean, you mentioned your father a lot, someone that you obviously admire. Mm. But was there, you know, any female figure within the industry or within the arts that you felt like, you know, I want to I be like her? Wow. <laughs> okay, so I mean, like, not in the arts. That that would be um, my mom, of course, right? Um, I think I've said how much she has uh, done in the arts. Actually, I think um, for a uh, local um, local talent, I think actually Sheila Majid. You know, honestly, when I saw her, I was like, oh my god, that's really nice. I've met her like once or twice. You like her music? Yeah, I like her music. And uh, you see, the thing about her music is that. Everyone listens to it, right? Um, there is some form of somehow her listeners are diverse. And if you want to say like Sheila Majid, everybody knows Sheila Majid. Doesn't matter which background are you from uh, or which um, race are you from. It doesn't matter. And uh, I think what was important is that she makes us proud. Um, and also she as a person, she's actually a very nice person. For someone who is so popular who is known by everyone she 
she's just so humble, and um, and you can tell like that is how much like when she becomes popular and all is for it's because of her passion, uh, but not so much of she wanting to be someone. So I think maybe that brings her back to ground, which is really amazing actually. Just like how Srila Majid's music brings Malaysians together, it appears that Rio has succeeded in doing just that. I asked Melissa whether that was her vision for Rio in the city. Yes. So, um, like, our target market is very simple, actually. Um, you know how, like, certain events, they have, like, okay, we only target the youth, we only target this. But actually, we target everyone. All ages, um, all walks of life, um, all races. So what we are trying to do is create diversity and uh, unity. Um, and also like um, in terms of age, I mean, everybody will want to hang out together, right? So this will be a good opportunity where every part in the stage of your life, you have something to do at Rio. Well, does it warm your heart? Because I go to Rio quite a bit and I mm. see grandparents and their grandchildren and their children as well, all together, you know, playing bubbles, whatever. Is, is that what... Do you come do you come down down on event and think okay this is what I wanted? Oh yes, actually that is like the most um, very heartwarming. So there was once um, we saw this like eighty over year old grandma with the with her tongkat. Then when they started playing music, she was dancing and it was really cute. And then her grandchild was dancing with her, and um, it was really nice to see how everybody had fun and not just them. Like even you see the youth. They actually enjoyed themselves and they don't mind being around elderly people or young kids. So that was nice to see that how like to bring everybody together and nobody cares like which background are you from, who are you. And we are all here just to have fun. Together. It was a real moment in that sense. Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> I think it was always a real moment when people tell us, you know, how much they enjoyed themselves. Um, and then when you see it, you witness, you know, that kind of laughter and smiles, you know, it, it, it feels really, really good. And it's very satisfying, to be honest. What's really struck me when it comes to Rio, and I've attended quite a few of your events, mm -hmm. it's almost like a love letter to the city, a love letter to Malaysia. Now, is wow. that your brand DNA? You know, you have all these different locations. You've got the Central Depot and then you've, you were at APW and you were in, in PJ and you were by the river. Uh, is that your intention? To, to, to remind Malaysians of what their backyard is like and how joyful it can be? Yeah, I think um, it's like how, you know, so we started off in APW Bangsa and then uh, because we, we when we started, like, you know, we didn't know that we needed such a big space because it was also like us testing it out to see how well we would do. And you became a victim of your success. Uh, oh, <laughs> there were so, so many nice people, right? Okay. Yeah. And um, we, so we outgrew the place. Um, then that's where we started venturing into um, other venues. I think one of the venue that um, we received so many feedback from was the one we did at River of Life. So, so I tried to like think about it, you know, like why? Why is it that people like it so much? Because My Instagram feed lit up that weekend with really? all pictures from Rio, yeah. Because over the weekend, um, I think the one thing about KL City is that not many locals will actually go down right. to, you know, to hang out and all. And I think um, this was the first time that 
Like somebody actually told me, I mean, of course it's not true, but uh, someone actually told me, you know, this is like really my first time seeing so many Malaysians together, um, enjoying themselves, middle of the city, you know. And um, there were a lot of people as well who told me like, wow, I didn't know like KL, they, they did it so beautifully, like with whatever they have done with River of Life. Actually, we had the most visitors at River of Life. We had about 18,000 over the weekend. Wow. Yeah, and uh, and I think that was that was very different. So you have the people, the diversity, the unity, and smack right in the city center. I think there's a challenge in making sure that every event is unique and there's no sameness. I mean, you're only as good as your last event, right? Yes. Have you got everything plotted out for the year in terms of, okay, this month is going to be this, this month is going to be Raya, this month is going to be, you know, looking back to the 70s, which you have done as well. Uh, how do you come up with themes and ideas that would bring people out? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, are, are you still figuring it out? So, yes. Yeah, so I'll be very honest with you, like uh, with the theme sometimes. Honestly, like, I mean, as much as we will always like to plan ahead, uh, which we do sometimes, things changes, right. you know, how fast things change on a monthly basis. So sometimes we write with what the trend is, what is it that people like, because at the end it's for the people, it's not for us, right? So we'll see what, what people enjoy most. And uh, many times, yeah, we just figure about the theme, maybe like, a month before. Oh, you're ruining the illusion for me. I thought you've got it all plotted out. <laughs> no. But, but honestly, that's the fun bit. Right. Actually, that's the fun bit in the team sometimes. Right. Because when you see, when you plot everything out and then like, I don't know, I, I feel like it's not it's not as fun anymore. It's not as dynamic. Exactly. Right? So we are like, oh, okay, you know what, guys? Let's think of a team. How can we go about it? But sometimes it also comes back to the type of content. So if there are certain content that turns out, like, because there are certain months where there's just this few specific great content that we can showcase. Then we will gear certain things towards that. So it's very, um, I would say very versatile. Right. We can go around. It's very fluid. In yeah, that sense. fluid as well. Has yeah. anything not worked? Not worked so well with in terms of feedback, in terms of vendors making money? Um, so of course, like there is always limitation in certain things. So sometimes there is venue limitations, um, whereby you know parking is always a problem. It's a huge thing for Malaysians, right? Mm -hmm. Weather, panas uh, also complain, hujan also complain. So and uh, Rio, we can't just do everything indoor. It has to be a good mix of outdoor and indoor, right? Um, so these are the few things that people tend to um, not too happy about. But uh, vendors, of course, um, I mean, let's be honest, there are some who, who did very well and some are just so-so. Um, I think sometimes it's also, I think it goes both ways. Okay, it could be maybe uh, we did not promote enough. I don't know. Uh, but there is also, I mean, but if others can do well, so why are you not doing well? Right. So so one thing about Rio, what we want to give as well is for entrepreneurs to test their products, to see what people like, what people support, and what will people appreciate. And from there, we hope that like you know joining Rio, you'll be able to gauge what sort of um, like among all your products, what works the best. And then maybe you get to see like, okay, this is what people want. Then maybe in the future, you will work towards that. Because it's a good platform to actually test out. And it's all very curated, whether you're a food vendor or if you're uh, you know, someone who's selling batik shirts. You do select and choose 
um, your vendors, I imagine. Yes. And are there certain touch points that they need to meet in terms of, is it Malaysian enough or, you know, is it something a bit different or is it, you know? Mm, I think most importantly is artisanal. Right. So artis- that, that is the main key. Uh, we don't take in um, trading businesses, um, businesses where you buy and sell, but these are artisans. That means these are really designer themselves who designs the product. Um, and also for each Rio, um, we have a proper mix of content. So even for the vendors, we don't have like um, the same kind of vendors because I think, I mean, what's the point, you know? Um, why, why are we getting them to compete among each other? Let's give them the opportunity. So maybe sometimes we have like one one woman's birthday, one man's birthday, and then we have one like selling candles and stuff like that. Um, so, so we always have a good mix and also like um, on a monthly basis, we will change up the vendors. Um, yeah, we have a lot of applications, uh, but we also go out there to seek uh, for vendors, like unique type of vendors. And how do you seek these vendors? Oh, we do the old school way. So we actually um, go on Instagram, we go on uh, websites, Facebook, and then we just look through and then we actually contact them through a uh, private message. Right, okay. And then just wait for them to reply. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, and and when just we, good all in, investigative work in that yeah, sense, Yeah, actually right? when we started, it was like that. Um, when the first Rio, like no one knows about Rio, um, it was tough. And we actually approached one by one, everyone, and just to explain what is this about, can you come and support us? Right. So we, we yeah. So it wasn't easy, and until today. But um, is your is your special sauce that you're looking at? You know, is the curation that's 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 a special sauce, I suppose, and that's what people are still trying to struggle. But you have managed to do that so quickly. It's been what a year, a year plus. Oh Rio? no, it's uh, actually years? in March. That right. was our 19th edition. Right. Okay. So it's almost like two years. But you've built that brand very quickly, um, and I think people have come to have certain expectations. When it comes to you, yeah. you're you're grimacing now, and why is that? Is it is it hard to meet those expectations? Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, um, things change so quickly. People get um, bored so easily. Do you, you know? feel that Rio has fulfilled its promise though in helping um, these artisans, in helping um, to promote Malaysian culture, in bringing communities together? Actually, we do. This is something that I confidently would say, yes, I think we did uh, make a difference. Um, But now, um, what is always uh, a struggle for people, for everyone, businesses, is sustaining it and making it as great or even better. KL Um, is a tough crowd, right? People move on to things very quickly. Yes, (laughs) it is. I mean, come on, even we move on with things very quickly. So, Would you roll it out on a national basis? Do you think there'll be a Rio Penang or Rio Ipoh? Oh, yes. Guess what? So this year, we are going to Ipoh and Kuching. Uh, We will share with you guys the dates later on. But uh, these are definitely the two states which we are going into this year. So, you know, Melissa, I mean, just to round things off, um, you strike me as like a misfixed, I suppose, in that sense. I mean, you see a problem and you try and make things better. Rio, in in that sense, has helped to bring communities together be that nurturing person towards entrepreneurs, um, be a counsellor in some ways. What's your next project? I mean, you are definitely still in your first act of your life, I feel, you know. Um, what do, what else do you want to do? What's what's next for you? Or, you know, are we staying on this path for now? I think eventually for me, um, in anything that I pursue, what is important, again, is that whole balance bit, again, um, 
having the realistic bit, but also um, I'm more um, into the social bit of things. Um, so, so for me, wherever I go, it doesn't matter what industry, uh, but just as long as like what I'm doing is able to make a difference, even in a small way. And that brings us to the end of our second episode of Shift, Steer and Strive, a production of BFM and Mercedes-Benz. I'm your host, Azura Rahman, and this was written, edited and produced by Daryl Ong, with additional research and coordination by myself and Arif Rose, and Ezra Zayed as executive producer. To listen to more episodes from this series, including an upcoming interview with Datuk Farida American, check out bfm.my forward slash strive or stream it on the BFM app.